Welcome back to our second day of looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to focus on verses 3 to 5 today. And as we focus on these verses, we're going to focus on the false teaching that was being taught in this church, the church that Timothy pastored in Ephesus. As we talk about that, we're continuing to talk together about living a motivated life of faith. If you want to live a motivated life of faith, you have to realize that there is false teaching out there that Satan wants to use to steal that motivation from you, to cause you to abandon that life of faith. And depending on who you are, this false teaching or that false teaching is going to be appealing to you. Some kind of false teaching will appeal to you, and Satan would like to use it. Now, the defense against false teaching, the way to attack false teaching, is always with the truth. You get to know God's word, you're going to be okay. Get to know God's word, you're going to know the false teaching that's in these verses Paul talks about today. In verse 3, he begins to talk about what this false teaching is, what you and I have to watch out for and help others to watch out for. He says this in verse 3, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. As he walks through these verses, he's talking about a false teaching of false humility. And the idea here is that by some kind of self-sacrifice, I can get myself closer to God. As if Jesus' sacrifice was not enough. Now I have to make some other self-sacrifice that gets me closer to God. That's ridiculous. That any sacrifice I could make would even compare to the sacrifice that Jesus made. But that's what's in this false teaching. And it appeals to my pride. I gave up something. I did something that was hard for me. And now I'm closer to God. Look at what I did. Even if I don't say that to myself, in the back of my mind, there is this look at what I did attitude. He's talking specifically here about giving up food. Now, if you want to give up food for your health or for a diet, there's no problem with that. But it's not going to get you one inch closer to God. In fact, if you give up the food trying to get closer to God, if you say, I'm not going to eat this or not going to eat that, and it's going to get me into better relationship with God, if that's your attitude, it's going to have the exact opposite effect. Because your pride at being able to give that thing up and your trust that somehow it has caused you to have a deeper relationship with God is going to affect your spiritual life and you're going to actually end up further from God in the end. Now, let's get practical about this. Let's go through the list of what he's talking about here. Paul gives two examples from these false teachers. He says they forbid you to marry or they forbid you to eat certain foods as if a food could affect your soul. He says they forbid these things on the outside so that you can make yourself feel better about yourself so somehow you feel like you've gotten yourself closer to God. Now, we have a list too. We, we have the list of, oh, I've given up my time for God in the church, and that's really made me a better Christian than this person over here because I don't ever see them at Bible study. I, I don't ever see them at small group. They've missed a lot lately. And you begin to feel spiritually in a better position than they are. It's the same problem, same lie, same false teaching. It can be about money. You feel like, well, I've given more to this church than anybody I know. I've given more to this church than probably anybody else on a percentage basis. Or I've given more sacrificially to this church than anybody will ever know. You didn't do it for God. You did it for yourself. It could be about relationships. You think about how you've conducted yourself in this relationship or what you've given up here or how you've sacrificed there. And you think, oh, I am so holy before God as if somehow you've done it and not he's done it in you. You know where this really gets to us many times I've seen? It's in our recreations. I see people who think, well, I gave up that little recreation, or I don't do that, or I change this recreation, and I do it this way. 
whether it's about um, some card playing or it's about uh, where I choose to go, and you feel spiritually superior to everybody else. Now, I'm not talking about recreations that are obviously evil, recreations like going to a strip club or something like that, which is obviously treating God's creation as a thing and not as a person. That's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those times when we're spiritually prideful because we've given up something that somebody else does. And we feel like, oh, I'm going to say it's unholy, and I'm going to say that I'm holier than they are because I've said that what they're doing is unholy. Huh. It's all about us. And God has an answer to all this. All this list of rules and regulations that we have, things that are good, things that are not good in his creation, he's got an answer. It's a surprising answer to many people. In verses 4 and 5, here's what God says about it. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Everything God created is good. Now, people read that and they think, wait, everything is good? What about drugs? What, what about you know things that people use for evil? Everything is good. That doesn't mean we use everything for a good purpose. That, that doesn't mean that every good thing cannot be twisted by us as human beings, and we do, and used for an evil purpose. But God's created it for good. In these verses, there are two extremely important things about the way that we think. Number one, material things are not evil. Number two, material things are not good in and of themselves. Two extremely important things about the way that you think about material things in these verses. Number one, material things are not evil. That's mysticism. That's not God's truth. God made material things. Heaven, I don't know if you knew this, heaven is going to be a material place. There's a new heaven and a new earth. We have an eternal body there. It's a material place, not just this ethereal, cloudy thing. There's this idea sometimes in society that if it's material, it has to be evil, that it's equated with that, when the truth is God made it. Now, we can use it for evil. Even money is not evil. It is the love of money, the way that we use money that can be evil. Any material thing can be used for evil, but you can't blame the material thing. It is us. It's in our soul. So the way that I handle that material thing, I choose to eat this food or not eat that food, that's not going to make my soul not evil because the source isn't the material thing. That's not where the evil is coming from. That's what this false teaching is all about, that somehow the evil comes from my contact with an evil world. That's not where the evil comes from. It comes from my own soul. It comes from my own selfishness. It comes from my own heart. And if you go down this road that material things are evil, you'll separate yourself more and more from material things, but you won't deal with the source, who you are. Because, again, of our pride, that's why we fall to false teaching. Material things are not evil. The second thing to learn from this is material things are not good in and of themselves. Some people think, well, because God made nature, I don't need to go to church. I can just go and sit out under a tree, sit by a pond, and enjoy God just as much. That's just as much worship of God because he made those things. No, the things that God made are made to be received in relationship with the one who made it. That's what these verses said. You receive it with thanksgiving. It's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. That's a relationship with thanksgiving. Consecrated, that word means made holy. By the word of God, that's what God says to me. By prayer, that's what I say to God. That's relationship. If you look at how God created at the very beginning, the Garden of Eden, he made a place where we could live, beginning with Adam and Eve, in relationship with God. A material place where we would live in this relationship with God. Creation is meant to be enjoyed in relationship to the Creator. And if you miss that, you miss 
<laughs> you miss the joy of what God has made. So material things are not evil. Material things are not good in and of themselves. They're creations of God. And I can use them for evil. I can also enjoy them. I can enjoy what God has made for good by receiving it with thanksgiving. God, thanks for what you've made. Thanks for what you've done. And consecrating it by talking to God about it, by listening to what God has to say in his word about it. It's made holy by my relationship with him. Now, as we pray today, I can't help but pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Would you pray it with me? And Lord, in thanksgiving, we want to say thank you for what you've made. Thank you first that you made us. We, we look at these human bodies and we realize that they're not perfect yet. They will be in heaven. But even on this earth, we thank you for the joy of what you've made. The way that we can interact with this world through taste and through touch and through smell and through the beauty that we see. Thank you for these bodies that you've made. And thank you for the beauty in this world. The beauty of an ocean, the beauty of a snowfall, the beauty of a sunset, the beauty of a desert, the beauty of a flower, the beauty of the flight of a bird, and the beauty of, oh Lord, we could go on and on and on and on. And it's all because of who you are. Your creation is an expression of who you are as our creator. And so Father, we pray that you help us to enjoy what you have made in relationship with you. Not expecting that somehow by shutting ourselves off from creation that we would be more spiritual. And not expecting that somehow that by connecting with creation we would be more spiritual. It's you that we connect with. And your creation is an expression of who you are. So we thank you, God, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. In our verses tomorrow, we're going to talk about the importance of exercise for a motivated Christian life. <music>